Before we get started, a word from our friends at Keeley Companies. In the words of Keeley Companies CEO, Rusty Keeley, when it comes down to it, there are two things that make Keeley Companies incredible, people and process. The strategic growth model called the Keeley Way ensures that Keeley achieves results on purpose, including five-year visions, scorecards, meaningful action plans. The Keeley Way allows Keeleyans to turn dreams into reality and drives goals to realize visions. Because of this relentless focus on people and culture, Keeley Companies has experienced explosive growth that shows no signs of slowing down. Learn more at KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Man, you are in for a treat today because this one is recorded with one of my dearest and nearest and best friends in in the world. Think of some friends in your life. Think of people who would do anything for you and the kinds of things they have done to prove that loyalty, to prove that love, to prove that friendship. Uh, One story that speaks to this person's love of me and this guy's love of others took place just a year ago today, in fact. I missed a flight from Colorado into St. Louis and had to speak the following day in Nashville, Tennessee at 7.30 with a 6.30 in the morning sound check. Somehow, the gentleman that I'm about to introduce you to heard that I missed the flight, heard that I was going to get in late, heard that it was going to be a really late night driving by myself. And so by the time I arrived at the home, Matt Miller's car was in my driveway There were two coffees in the middle part of his car. He was standing next to his driver's side door and said, Brother, get in. Turns out I'm driving with you to Nashville tonight. Matt and I then drove through the middle of the night into Nashville. We spoke with 1,600 coaches, awesome time with the ABCA, got back in the car. That's the kind of guy Matt is. But before you put a halo over his head, hang on, my friends, hang on. I occasionally like sweets, in particular after a hard day's work. And so we swung through one of my favorite clients we've ever partnered with. They're named Chick-fil-A. Come through one of the drive throughs I got a little lunch for Matt and for John. Included in that, of course, was a chocolate milkshake. And exactly five seconds after the milkshake ends up uh, in my lap, it ends up upside down in my lap. Okay, it's a train wreck. There's chocolate going all over my suit pants. I'm going to sit in this for the next five hours. I'm depressed. I'm kind of losing my, my, my temper a little bit. I look to the left to see what Miller is doing, and he's videotaping this. Okay? So, no, he's not reaching for Kleenexes. He's not trying to help me out. He's not trying to unbuckle me so I can get out of this seat and take care of myself. The dude is recording this so that he will never forget this moment in time. That's also the kind of friend that Matt is. He's been a dear friend to me for as long as I've known him. So what kind of leader is he? Because for you today, I think that's the far more important question. You may be glad we're good friends, but what kind of leader is he? Because this is a story today about personal leadership in your life, about on the front side of the new year, making sure that regardless of what happens in D.C., 
regardless of what happens with the headwinds, COVID-19, recessionary challenges, unemployment, whatever might be happening around you, that you are liberated to take the next best step forward in your life. So I'm going to brag on a couple of Matt's accomplishments and then give you what I think is the key to his success and ultimately to yours. Well, Matt is an accomplished educator and administrator. His work led him directly to work with me in the Live Inspired organization as our coach. He took two of the lowest performing schools in a district and he transformed them through his leadership, through his love, into two of the top 10 performing schools in the state. Matt has been recognized as the St. Louis Principal of the Year, and he's also been recognized as the Missouri Distinguished Principal of the Year. Now, when I first met Matt, I was blown away by his students, blown away at their professionalism, blown away that kids at first and second and third grade would look me in the eye and shake my hands, and they would have a goal in mind, and they would know exactly what they wanted to do when they grew up, and they would know how to take care of one another, and they were trying to build synergies between them. They were amazing little kids, and they were being led by Matt. But I think the sign that hung over his school, quite literally, it was hanging up in the hallway, it was hanging over his desk, it hangs over his desk now that he works here at Live Inspired, was this. Love is the key. On this podcast today, Matt's going to be sharing with us how we can make sure that this year becomes our best year yet. Matt's going to be reminding us to do simple better, to stay within our circle, and to take the next best step forward in our life. Listen, I, I, I could go on and on and on about Miller. I could talk about what he's doing with us organizationally. I could talk about his impact in the past. But ultimately, I just want to get him in here. I want to interview him. I want to share his life, his love, his leadership, his example with each of you. And I want you during this podcast to open up your mind and your heart and your journal. Get ready to take some notes. And by the way, get ready to join us in the Live Inspired in studio. Talk a little bit more about that as we progress forward with my friend, my coach, uh, a guy that I love. His name is Matt Miller. Matt Miller, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. John, it's a it's an honor. Thank you. Sorry for the long rambling introduction, but uh you know, not everybody that I bring onto the podcast do I consider a dear friend. Not everybody have I spent uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours working side by side with and seen not only their capabilities, but their hearts. So uh, I want to thank you for the work you have done with me and for spending, you know, 30, 35 minutes with our friends right now. You know me well enough to know the, the beginning was uncomfortable as you talk about schools that I've had the pleasure to be a part of and organizations I've had uh, the pleasure to be a part of. And None of that has ever been about me. And so I always knew you and I would come together and do some great things. And uh, the same focus is there, is that we're, we're focused on helping others be the best that they can be. Well, and as I was rambling forward with that introduction, I was looking, you know, right now, for those of you who do not watch the video stream of this, Miller and I are looking at each other right now on the screen. And as I, as I went on and on and on, he's sleep, slunking deeper and deeper into the chair because he's not a guy who likes to make it about him. And even before we hit record on this podcast, he says, hey, O'Leary, just remember, uh, it's not about me, man. I, I don't want this to be the Miller autobiography, so uh, it won't be Matt. But I do want to give folks a bit of a context for where you came from, where you learned what you know, and ultimately what it means for them. So let's start at the very beginning. As, as uh, I think the sound of music says, it's a very good place to start. So uh, Matt, you were born in Warrensburg, Missouri, but you grew up in Corning, Iowa. T take us back to what life was like in Corning, Iowa as a little as a little boy. Well, I just love that we're giving a shout out to Corning, Iowa, because it's a small little rural town. And 
when I think back to growing up, uh, there's nothing better for those listeners who grew up in a small town. There's just nothing like it. You, you go out the door in the morning and you don't come back till dark. It was just a privilege to grow up in that small community where everybody knows you, which is a good thing and which is also can, can come back at you sometimes. But I was uh, truly blessed with two great parents, a sister, and the four best grandparents anybody could have. Most of the time I ask about parents, and I know your parents are listening today because uh, I've received emails from mom and dad. So they're, they're followers, they're friends, they're going to be proud of their boy right now. You brag about your mom and dad a lot. You brag about your sister a lot. But man, you talk about your grandparents, Matt, quite a bit. Would you give us a flavor for who your grandparents were? When I think back to all four of them, and I think, again, listeners that are reflecting back, and I'm, I'm really talking to like teenagers and high school kids, like there, there's nothing better than your grandparents, right? And so to make sure that you appreciate everything they have. And, and now that I'm at the ripe age of 50, to realize the reasons why I work hard, the reasons why I get up early, the reasons why I love the outdoors, and the reasons why I garden are because of Grandpa Ray and Grandma Irene and Grandpa Joe and Grandma Tony. And I know if we go much deeper into those four, uh, we're going to see Miller show some emotion. So I'm, I'm going to pivot away from that. You were a remarkable school principal, which means even as a child, you were predestined for this, Matt. I understand you spent quite a bit of time in the principal's office as a child, but not necessarily for all the right reasons. Talk about that. Uh, the running joke is I was told to sit down and be quiet during my entire childhood. And now I get to travel around and work with people and talk all the time. But I've always had this love for kids, you know, in a small town, being the, uh, the lifeguard and, and working at the elementary school, you know, I've always had that love. And I've always had a passion for uh, the kid that really needed the extra help. And so it's why I became a special ed teacher and ultimately how I spent 23 years as a principal. Matt, when did you realize you wanted to be a teacher? I think most guys in particular go to college without a clue who they are or what they want to do when they graduate. They, they stumble through classes, they, they graduate, they're not sure which side to put their tassel and they don't have a clue really for many of us what to do once they leave college. It seems like you entered into college knowing exactly what you wanted to do. I did. I knew right away I wanted to work with kids. Uh, declared elementary education as a major probably uh, wasn't the coolest thing at the time, right? But I just knew I always loved to work with kids and then especially you know, again, the kids that, that needed the extra help, I just love the feeling of being able to watch them succeed. And then I quickly realized that it was about the adults in the building that made that happen. And so that's why I only taught a couple of years and jumped right into the principalship because I knew my, my greater influence could be helping the adults be the best they could be so they could be best for kids. Matt, when I was 25, you know, I was still trying to figure out how to tie my shoes and how to set my alarm so I would not be late for the next day of work. Uh, that's my story. It took me a little bit longer in life to mature. And some of our listeners know a bit more of, of, uh, of the O'Leary story. At age 25, very young, you become a principal already. I'm assuming, man, that that's, uh, <laughs> that's unusual. It's a pretty young age to become a principal of a, of, of a building. Uh, obviously, uh, I think there's rules in place. Now you got to teach a little bit longer in the state of Missouri, other than two years, but I, you know, somebody took a chance on me and I, and I reminded one of our clients yesterday that you're never ready for any position you jump into. And so you jump in and you learn and you learn by doing, 
and I was blessed that that a guy by the name of Dave Crockett in North Kansas City School District on the Kansas City side said, we're going to take a chance on this young kid. And it was the best year ever because I learned from some of the best veteran teachers. And what I realized looking back is, you know, I think they learned some things from me on how to love kids. And I learned a lot from them on, on the instructional side and, and the experience that they bring and how there's such a great balance in any organization between, uh, not older, the veterans of the group and the younger ones. Did you feel qualified? Did, 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 you, did you feel at that age like, man, I'm ready to set the world on fire with all of my knowledge and goodness? Or were you kind of stumbling in saying, man, I hope they don't realize I'm a little bit of a fraud and I'm going to fake it to make it? <laughs> well, the great thing about educators is as long as you love kids, you'll be able to figure out the rest of it, right? And so um, I think that's what's, and again, shout out to every single teacher that's listening right now. Because what I've also, as I reflect back on, on the past, um, the first 25 years in working in schools, you're just there to love kids and do what's best for the ones that show up and are there. It's, it's one of the greatest professions in the world. Matt, Matt, what do you think the teachers, you know, you, you gave a shout out there to the educators. We know we have an awful lot of educators who listen to the podcast. Matt, what do you think the teachers who are most effective in their classroom do with their students or in their classroom that maybe the, the teachers, the educators who are less successful don't do? I think it boils down to two things. And that is the kids can answer yes to these two questions. Does my key teacher care about me? And are they committed to my success? And high level teachers build that relationship. So those kids know my teacher does care about me and they are committed to helping me be the best that I can be or get through a really tough time. Because let's keep in mind, there's a lot of kids out there where school is their safest place. School is where they get their meals. School is where they actually get love. You know, I think Oprah talked about that a while back where she wasn't getting love where she should have. And where she got love was from a fourth grade teacher. And that's truly what the schoolhouse is all about, especially in today's world, is that we're building kids that are ready to be, that they know who they are and they can be interdependent with others. It seems to me a principal serves an awful lot of masters. And, it, and if you serve more than one, you're beginning to set yourself up for failure. And so as a principal, you've, you've got to respect the parents. You've got to respect the superintendent. You've got to lead forward your staff. You've got to bring forward the educators. You've got to follow the, the, the rules of the state. You've got to lead your kids. You've got to sometime take care of yourself and your family and your emotional health. So as a principal for you know, several decades, Matt, what's the most important thing that you did? You know, who, who's the master that you were serving? I think the most important thing I did for, and I think people could vouch for this, is I wasn't somebody that sat in the office. I was out and about in the day. I tried to connect with every single adult, every single staff member, and every single classroom, and just be involved in the day-to-day -day of building. Because again, I said relationships were the biggest key with kids. And so those of you in, in corporate, you know, we're focused on our customers. But the reality is my true work was making sure I was taking care of our team because our team took care of the kids. In, in corporate, your team's taking care of your clients and your customers. And so that was my most important job is to make sure I walked the building every single morning and made sure everybody was okay. And it was a simple question. As you know, I ask you all the time, hey, what's your highlight? And then I would ask, you need anything? 
And I think where we, where we can go right is when they say, yeah, I need this, you go and get it and you figure it out and you don't have to have all the answers, right? But when you know what the need is to do their work, uh, and I think that's what you and I are proving as well. One of the questions we ask our clients is, do you have everything you need to be the best that you can be? And if they can say, yes, perfect. We're, we're continuing to walk alongside of you. If you don't, let's figure out how to get it. One of the things, Matt, that I, I love about you and respect about you is the fact that you just refuse to give up on people. And that you refuse to judge them through the lens that others have judged them through in the past. It's really, really important during these days that we are living and leading through. And a story that I think just perfectly represents this is when you got a new job, at a new building, at a new school, there were a bunch of troublemakers that the school for a long time had been dealing with. And on your very first day of school, these troublemakers show up and everybody else in the room recognizes, oh man, they're back, they're back. So take us back to that first day, who those guys were, who those uh, troublemakers were and what you did to redeem the situation. Well, if you're an educator uh, and especially administrator, your first days are July 1. Our calendar's July 1 to end of June. And so I sneak in in the first week in July and have my boxes and buildings empty, right? It's the summer. And a couple staff members run in and they say, hey, you're the new principal. There's some kids out there. These are the troublemakers. You got to take care of them. The other principal didn't do it. You need to do it. And I was like, man, I just wanted to like hang out today, right? Unpack some, unpack some boxes. And so I walk outside, I see these five or six kids and I just keep walking. And I wish I had a listening in on the two staff members because they were probably like, wow, that didn't take long to run off the new guy, right? And so I go up to the local quick trip, grab some popsicles, come back, sit on a picnic table. And I said, hey, anybody want a popsicle? Next thing you know, I got six kids around me. And I just got to know who they were. Some went to the high school, some went to the middle school. And I just said, hey, I'm Mr. Miller, I'm the new guy. You know, I don't live far away from here, but it seems like you're up here a lot. So can you keep an eye on things? You know, make sure, you know, kids are being nice. Make sure they're not skateboarding down the rails or on the picnic tables and just being leaders. They looked at me like us, like you want us to be in charge. And we finished our popsicles and, and I said, hey, even better, like this is my cell phone number, right? If you see anybody, just send me a text. I'll be right up. Well, I, I, I go inside and sit down and the two staff members run in and they're like, hey, they're still outside you know, skateboard. And I'm like, I know. And you could just see the look on their face. Like, oh, same story, right? Nothing's going to happen. The moral of the story is the next day, one of our staff members pulled up outside, loaded up with supplies. And guess who some of the first kids were that, that helped that staff member carry their boxes in. And I'll never forget that conversation later that day where the staff member said, hey, I get it. How we were treating them. So, you know, that whole how we see things determines our behavior and determines the results that we get. I just saw them in a different way. And that's not, and I didn't have the past experience, right? And so I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, our own paradigms and our own experiences, and it's hard to see things differently, right? But it's the realization of, you know, how many times do we say, stay in your circle? The only person we have control over is ourselves. And if we're not happy with the results that we're getting, we have to go back up to the top and say, how can I see this differently? Or who out there can help me see this differently. It's the only way we change our behavior. Hmm. Miller, I was, I was reading through some old newsletters recently. I've been writing newsletters, unbelievably, for more than 15 years. And so there's quite a bit of content that I've written about in the past, but there was a guest blog written in March of 2014 by a guy named Len Dino. Len Dino was president of 
LDI. Lindino is a dear friend of mine. Lindino is awesome. But Lindino was a sponsor of our leadership event that we, we launched here called Launch, Launch Leadership. And he wrote an article about his experience at Launch. And he wrote an article about the individuals who influenced him while he was there at that event. And he wrote an article about the guy who influenced most while he was there. And it was a guy named Matt Miller. When I put forward this event, and this is now seven years ago, but when I put forward the event, I invited to speak in front of leaders from around the country, my favorite speakers and my favorite leaders from around the country. So we flew in from people from Detroit and California and New York, and man, they came in from all over the place. But one guy I was able just to you know send an Uber out to pick up, his name was Matt. And uh, you were the one who influenced Lynn more than anybody else at that event. You talked about the power of relationships. Would you just talk again, go into a little bit more depth about the power of relationships, not only in a school building, but in life? First, just, you know, I think back to our two launches, right, and the impact that we had on people. And I, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. And, and what I'm realizing in this interview, John, is I kind of need to get over a little bit, like your intro about me, like, you know, I snuggle, I kind of creep down into my screen here. And I think what resonated with them was that you can do it with kids, right? That the same strategies that we were going to give people from being big corporate and running their own businesses and all of those pieces, we were doing with little four, five, and six-year-olds. And so we were teaching them that they have control of their life. We were teaching them about, you know, being nice to people. We were teaching them about having goals. It resonated with them that, wait a second, I'm 30, 40, 50 years old sitting in this crowd, and this guy has five, six, and seven-year-olds setting goals, attaining what they're, they're, they're chasing in life, and yet I'm here stuck in not achieving what I want to achieve. And so I think that's what resonated more than anything. Matt, you set goals with students, with kids, with teachers, with educators, with your staff for a couple decades. You're now working on our within our coaching organization to help organizations, to help teams, help individuals set goals, take back the power of their life. What's the what's the real message that you share with the clients that you serve? What are you trying to provide them? First and foremost, we're there for them. Whatever they're working towards, either personally or professionally, we're walking alongside them. What we have found is when somebody knows that somebody's there for them, that's the key. Going back to the three things we talk about every single week, and that is find your one. What's the one thing that you really want to get focused on this week? And even yesterday, as we were working in, in a leader class, everyone was focused on four or five things or six things or putting seven things on the list. And, I, and mentally, we think we're more effective if the list is longer when exactly it works the opposite. We live in a world you know, before pandemic where it was trying to teach us that everything is urgent and important and we need to do everything on the list. 2020 for some of us focuses on, wait a second, what's the most important? That's the whole essence of finding your one. Uh, the second one, staying in your circle, right? Staying in your circle of what you have control over. And then the third, which is why our coaching program is working with you know, thousands of people now is because we take the next right step with them. So if I'm getting laser focused on my one, my most important, and I'm staying in my circle of what I have control over, and I'm taking the next right step each day, that's been the key to success. Well, my friends, I'm going to hit pause right now on the conversation that I'm having with my friend, my brother, Matt Miller, to give you an opportunity to take a much deeper dive into this conversation, into this process, and into the truth that the foundation of your life is firm, but gosh, 
The headwind is real. The sense so frequently of isolation and despair is real. But there's reason for hope. Matt talked a moment ago about the three things that individuals, organizations, and teams get from our coaching. Those three things include finding your one thing, that one relationship, that one thing that matters most to you professionally, the thing that's going to trigger far greater significance and success for you, yeah, at work, but also financially in your ability to make a difference in the community, in your spiritual journey, in your health. What's your one thing? What's your one thing? What better time to find our one thing than on the front side of the new year? So find your one. That's the first piece. The second, this idea, and it's critical, stay in your circle. Stay in your circle means this. You don't need to be expert at everything that's happening in Sacramento, in Jefferson City, in Albany, in Tallahassee, in Rome, in Lebanon, in D.C., with Trump, with Biden, with your neighbors, everything else. No, no, no. That's not staying in your circle. That's actually the exact opposite. That's keeping your focus on everything that you have absolutely no control over and the things ultimately that will drive you crazy. No. So we teach individuals and teams and organizations how to stay in their circle. That's critical for not only your mental health, but your long-term success. And the third and final thing, each day, I want to make sure that you have clarity around how you can take the next right step forward. Those are the three things we teach in our coaching. So if you want to learn more about how this could affect in a positive direction your business, your team, your family, or your life, visit me right now at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. I'll say that again for those of you who are driving or maybe you're working out or you've never visited us on the website before, but please do so. Visit us right now at John. O'LearyInspires.com. And for those of you who are doing life right now by yourself, maybe you're virtually teaching your kids, maybe you're in retirement, maybe you're in sales, maybe you're an educator and you want to take a deeper dive into your life and into the truth that your best days are in front of you. Well, we also work with an awful lot of individuals in something we call in-studio. This month in-studio, we are focused on your best year yet. We go live next Monday, Martin Luther King Day. It's January 18th. It's going to be awesome. You can learn all about all these things, all of our programs at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. If you have questions, email me once you're on the website. I'm going to let Matt get back into this right now, but I can't encourage you strongly enough to be intentional, to find your one, to stay in your circle, to take the next best step each day, and we can help you do that. So I'm going to give you some stats, and then I'd like you to tell, teach us and, and remind us how we can pivot into these facts. So some of the facts are these. 94% of news stories are negative, okay? 64% of us feel as if we're doing life completely by ourselves. More than half of us feel daily like there is reason and cause for anxiety and despair. And last year, 1.6 million Americans attempted suicide. Like this is the life we're living in. It's a boiling pot of, of concern and grief and lack of control. And we don't know which way is up. And then we have riots and protests and insurrections on our capital, and buildings are burning. And it's, it's scary out there. It is really scary. How do we begin to recognize the possibility that remains in our lives. So yeah, Matt, you talk about staying in your circle, but how do we actually begin to do this when we feel like there's there's nothing we can control? It's having somebody there for you. And I know that sounds simple, but it's it's what we're doing. We're saving lives. 
by touching base with people weekly. We are helping people with alcoholism. John, over the last couple of days, you and I have received an email and a text from CEOs that don't know what else to do. Being in that, that desperate situation, we go back to those three pieces. Like, wait a second. What's that one next step that we can take? Let's get in our circle of what we have control over. The other thing, it's not so much of people think, yes, I need to take action, but we also need to be cognizant of what we choose not to do. Let's choose not to watch too much news. Let's choose not to be on social media the whole time. Let's choose not to hang around negative people. Let's choose not to engage in gossip. You know, what we choose not to do is just as important as what we choose to do and what that next right step is for us. And sometimes the next right step is to make a list of things I need to stop doing. You know, as, as I look at the divisiveness right now, that is everywhere you look and people ask me frequently, how, how do we get rid of it? How do we reunify? How do we come together as one? Part of the way we do that, Matt, is directly from what you just shared. If we stopped watching Fox, my friends on the right, if you stopped watching CNN, my dear friends on the left, if you stopped watching those conspiracy theorist blogs that you're tuning into every single day that are telling you how bad the nation is, how horrible your life is, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm being very serious about this, the world itself would begin to change in profound ways. What you put into your mind influences what happens in your life. It's the most important thing that we're doing right now, John, with all of our coaching clients is making sure that we're taking care of our psychological immunity as just as much as our physical immunity. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we think, especially in this new year, right? New, new year's resolution, I'm gonna eat better. I'm gonna exercise, I'm gonna drink water. I'm gonna eat more plants. I'm gonna do, get my 10,000 steps in, right? But it all starts with the mind. You know, I think I told you, you know, my, my Grace who uh, was a college triathlete had never done it, signs up to, and, and goes off to college after her first year of, of the sport, I said, what'd you learn most about being a triathlete? And she said, the mind quits before the body. And it just stopped me in my tracks. And too many times uh, we don't stay focused on all the things that we're putting up here that drives every other thing that we do. And so the most important thing we're doing as an organization right now is making sure people are taking care of themselves psychologically, emotionally so that they can be the best that they can be, not only personally, but professionally. Matt, you and I snuck into the office a little early today before anybody else was in, and, and we were just talking about kind of all the things that are wrong and all the, all the dark clouds that are on the horizon. And you used the word hope. Like just, man, there is profound need for hope in these days that we are living in. Can you share some research or some of the backbone of why hope is so valuable? I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. And the latest research that I read says we need three things, and especially kids. Like, I still have this passion for kids. I still get to, to work with schools and educators. And there's three things. Uh, one, I'm, I have a goal. I'm working towards something, right? So that reminds me that I'm in charge of my life. Grandpa Ray on the farm said, when you're pointing a finger at somebody, the other four are pointing right back at you, right? Ownership of your life. And too many times we, we think, Everyone else is in control, right? We're in control of how we react to it. Uh, having a goal and then planning, what are my next steps that I'm working towards that? So as long as I'm taking the next right step, you know, we used the analogy the other day when we were working with one of our clients of, of standing on a track. If you go to a high school and you go to the track and you're standing on the track, you look a little weird because you're just standing there, right? So you got to start walking. You got to start walking. We're not expecting you to run, just walk, right? That's the next right step. 
but at least you're on the track. You're not in the stands. To Shout out to, to our friend Brene Brown. We're in the arena. You're on the track. And then the third is agency. And everybody hears that word and they're like, agency? What's that? It goes back to you're in control of yourself. You're in control of how you react. You're in control of the next right step. And so if we can keep people focused on that, your guest, Doug Lindsay, uh, said it best. And I listened to it on my walk uh, this morning. You caught me listening to it as you came into the office today. He took it a step further, which is if you have specific hope. Hey, Matt, let me pop in real quick and just play Doug's quote, because I, I think his perspective on hope is profound. Uh, for those of you right now listening to our conversation who may have missed last week's Live Inspired podcast, let me give you a little bit of the backstory for what Matt's talking about, who Doug Lindsay is. Doug Lindsay shared the story of his debilitating, his mysterious illness that affected his mother first and then his aunt, and then eventually him. It left him homebound and bedbound 11 years. This guy was left in a bed from like age 20 to 31. The doctors were baffled. They gave up on him. So Doug scoured medical textbooks from his bed in a relentless pursuit to diagnose the illness, to develop the treatment, and to assemble the team that would ultimately perform a surgery that had never been done before to save Doug's life. It's a crazy story. It's an awesome, inspiring, hope-filled story. So with that being said, well, two things. Number one, check out the episode with Doug Lindsay. You'll love it. And secondly, here's the clip where Doug describes hope. How would you define hope? The way I tell people is, look, if you look up the dictionary definitions, they're long and they're wrong. And they often talk about the desire for and expectation of fulfillment of something. And I say that's specific hope. Like, I hope I get into Yale. And that's a trap. And I'll tell you why it's a trap. And then we'll look at what hope is. The reason it's a trap is that it blinds you to success greater than you're aiming for. And it blinds you to gratitude for the good things that happen every day. If you are laser focused on one narrow thing, you can miss the wonderful things that happen each day and you can miss a chance for a future better than you're, you're dreaming of. And so what hope is, I needed to know this because I needed something to build on that when everything else fell apart, I still had something that I could believe in. And even believing in God is hard because what we, but hope is the belief that something positive can happen. And that to me is the entirety of the definition. So hope is the belief that something positive can happen. And the reason that's so important is now, if something positive happens, you're ready to acknowledge it and capitalize on it and go for it. Mm. And so it doesn't take a lot. And people say like, oh, no, I'm stuck. Nothing can happen. And I would do this to my mom, this, this poor woman in chronic pain and trapped in a bed in a nursing home. And you would be able to go through the thought experiment and say, can your life get better? And they go, no. And you say, well, could we make your life worse? Could we hit your foot with a hammer? Yes, that would make your life worse. Okay, so your life can change. What are the chances it can only change in a way that makes it worse? I can't make you better. I can't heal you today. But would it be nice for you to talk to somebody that cares about you? Would it be nice to watch a show that, that helps you relax? Well, what can we do that brings joy? If hope is the belief something positive can happen and you believe that, what can we make happen that's just enough to remind you that there's value and joy in persisting even in hard times? 
I think that's what we're providing, John, is that today is going to be the, a great day and the good is going to happen. We will always be here for you. Matt, you're a huge love guy. Love is the key, as the sign says, behind your office and now behind mine. Big into hope, huge into community, but also a focus. And I think it's one of the things that ties all these together for you, gratitude. Can you, can you share a bit about, around why you're so passionate around gratitude and how, how have you created kind of a, a model that allows you to not only feel this, but to share this? The greatest lesson was during the pandemic. You know, March 13th, I was in person like you were flying all around and, and working with people. And on March 13th was my last day delivering in person. I can't, what's your, what was your date? March. March, March 2nd was my last live speech. And I've been yeah. uh, in St. Louis doing my work from here since then. So everybody kind of has a date, right? So mine was March 13th. And on March 14th, three college kids, we packed them up and moved them home. I say all that because on our door going out to our garage has our family mission statement of love family, love others. And right away during the pandemic, we put, what are we grateful for? And what we tried to do each week around the supper table. And, and the great thing was we had supper every night instead of just Sunday nights, right? And we went back to asking our question, okay, how did we love family this week? How did we love others this week? And then the second thing is, what were we grateful for? And it could have been being at the supper table, being all together, got to know some neighbors we, we never knew right up the street because we're checking on people more often, exercise, you know, what, whatever those pieces are. As I listen to people, I think what 2020 has taught them the most is to truly a deeper focus of what is most important and what they are truly grateful for. And as we go into 2021, making sure that we're really keeping an eye and focus on not letting that fast pace get to us again and make sure that we are keeping the most important, the most important. You know, there's a quote that says, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. I think 2020 taught us that. Well, 2021 is teaching us that just because you flip a calendar doesn't mean you've transformed the year. And so what you teach and what we try to convey to our clients is to make the main thing, the main thing. So Matt, as we, as we get ready to step toward the Live Inspired 7, can you give us some specific next steps on how we can make 2021 our best year yet? And for the, the people who are driving right now, or they're, they're on the treadmill right now, or they're between jobs right now, or they're virtually teaching their kids right now and they're exhausted. They got virtual fatigue. They're reading the headlines and they're burned out right now. They're at home in an apartment by themselves right now. They've been there for 10 months. We're coming into this 2021 from all different spots, but there remain things that bring us together and allow us to control what we can control and like other things we can't. So give us a few things, tactically speaking, that today we can begin to put into place that will allow us to ensure that 2021, it might not be easy. It might not even get better, but it might be our best year yet. Three things come to mind. Number one, what is that one thing I want to get better at? We all know. Like if you asked a room of a thousand people, what's one, they can name it within like 30 seconds. Everybody can pick that one thing that they desire to get better at. And then it's like, okay. And I know I've, I've said this before, but it's true. What is in your circle that you can do each single day to take that next right step, whatever that is. And so getting laser focused on one. And again, we think, we think a lot is effective. A lot isn't effective. Having one is very effective. And then once we do that really well, it leads to the next thing. It gives you momentum to then do that next thing. Finding just one area, that's what our organization does now, right? 
is that we walk with people, thousands of people across the country now. So finding their one, staying in their circle. The thing I hear from people the most right now is, what's a relationship that needs improvement? Over the last couple of weeks, the theme has been too many times in relationships. That could be a work relationship, you know, as people are driving to work right now. It could be a, a personal relationship, a family member that needs some repair maybe. Well, too many times we wait for the other person to say sorry. We wait for the other person to say thank you. We wait for the other person to say I love you and that's outside our circle. We, we all know when a relationship isn't going great, it affects everything else. Who is that one person that you can say, what can I do to be a better blank? As part of our coaching program, it's the week of ask the question. How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better teammate? As you reflect on, those are the first three, right? That I think of, there's a whole list of others. But if we can get relationships right, if we can get ourselves right and get laser focused on one thing, that's the, the the first step to success. And finally, Matt, before we go into the Live Inspired 7, you've worked now with thousands of clients around the United States and around the world. You've heard their stories. It's a two-part question. Number one is, what's the big struggle that we're facing? When, when, you, when you are having these just transparent, honest conversations with individual human beings, they're not salespeople or executives or educators they're humans. What, what's the struggle that you hear most frequently from them during these, these COVID difficult days that we're all living in? The work-life balance. And what I remind them is you have to find balance in that. But too many times what we do is we pour all of our extra time and effort and love into work. And then we go home and those we love the most get less of our time and more of our reactive behavior because we're out of balance, because we're giving so much to work. And you can find balance in that. And every time I tell that story, there's tears because there's the look on people's face of it's exactly what I'm doing. Those that I love the most, I'm giving them less of their time and more of our reactive behavior and short temper because of all the effort that I'm trying to do on the work side. And so we can find balance. And our mission of our coaching process and program is doing exactly that. What we're proving more than anything, what we hear from corporations is, we want to be different. Well, here's how you be different. You be different by focusing on the personal side of every single person that's showing up. And there's an ROI to the professional side. And we're proving that time, time and time again, that if they're good in all the other roles, they're going to be good in that professional role, but you can't be good. At, it doesn't start the opposite way. And Matt, as you know, because you've been a listener, you've been a friend, you've been my coach, you've been part of our coaching organization, and you've been a board member for uh, gosh, almost a decade now when you add all those things up. Uh, there are seven quick fire questions that we ask every one of our friends that we bring onto the podcast. You are a friend. And so Matt, I'm gonna walk you through these seven questions. The first one, and you probably know these already, but the first question is Matt Miller, what is the best or most impactful book you've ever read? Seven Habits, Highly Effective People. One takeaway from that book. That we're in charge of our lives. Mm. 2021 listeners. He that you are in charge, not Trump. No, not Biden. No, not the fires. No, not your neighbor. No, not your mother. No, not your lousy upbringing. No, not your fire, not the divorce, not all this garbage that is bringing you down. You are in charge of your life. You are in charge of your life. Matt, what's one positive characteristic or one trait that you possessed as a child that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly in 2021? Don't sweat the small stuff. You know, when you're, when you're a kid in a small town, you just get to go, like, life's just good. You just get to run around and 
be a part of that community. And so just having that kind of free spirit again. If your home caught fire and Annie, who is the first Miller I met, by the way, hello, Annie, <laughs> shout out to you and your children, Matthew, Grace, Kate, everybody's out of the house and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one thing that really matters to you. What would you grab? As an educator, I, have, I used to have a lot of boxes and I've consolidated them all into one. And in that one are all the handwritten notes kids and teachers and parents have given me. And I need to, now that you say that, I need to put it in a safe fire spot. But I actually still have the note from the first letter my dad ever wrote me uh, a freshman in college. And wow. so, you know me, I'm a big handwritten note guy. You are, but uh, one of the cool things Annie did for you on your 50th birthday is she sent out postcards for everybody to send back. And so your mailbox was overfilled with love, I think, for your 50th birthday. Yeah. Matt, if you, if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach on a perfect day and have a long conversation with anybody, living or dead, who do you want to be seated next to? Uh, it's back to those four grandparents. I want all four of them sitting on the bench, and I want to tell them how appreciative I am. I just listened to uh, Doug Lindsay, and he got choked up talking about his mom this morning on the podcast, and here I am doing the same with uh, thinking about those four amazing people. Well, I think in this case, it's not a bench, it's not a beach, it's a porch, rocking chairs, water, ice tea, maybe a Bud Light, and uh, the Iowa sun is setting, and Miller, the grandson, is hanging out with his four grandparents. Matt, what's the best advice they or anybody else ever gave you? Uh, it was my wife, Annie, saying, go get your master's. She saw my passion in kids. I would teach all day, and then I would work 40 hours on the weekend at a boys' group home. If I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have got into being a principal as early as I did. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? You're 50 now, three decades of, uh, of wisdom. What advice would you give yourself? Continue to think outside the box. I think, I think as educators, it's a, it's a pretty routine, safe, you know, and even though we did think outside the box and create one of the first leadership schools and did great things in schools, just continually thinking, what's that next step that maybe somebody else isn't thinking about? Matt Miller, principal, coach, dad, son, husband, friend, board member, cook, baker, a whole lot of other job titles, driver of John O'Leary. It has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? Loved family, loved others. My Miller, loved family, loved others is indeed how you have lived your life for 50 years. It's been an honor uh, for me personally to call you a friend, to call you my coach, to call you a board member, and to just do life with you, man. A lot of people talk a big game. A lot of people have the right quotes to drop on their Twitter feeds or from the podium. Not a whole lot of people actually back that up with the way they walk. And you do, you do in every relationship and you have done that with me and I'm grateful for it. And I thank you for being part of our community. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Well, my friends, I hope this episode was as inspirational and as impactful for you listening as it was for us sharing this message of hope and a clear next step with you. For those who are trying to help us create change in the community, awesome. I think our community, I think our country, I think our world could use some more inspiration, some more truth. You can help us do exactly that by sharing the John O'Leary podcast, the Live Inspired podcast with your community. If you don't yet subscribe, man, what's wrong? Subscribe to this podcast. That way it will ensure that it ends up in your feed every single week. You can tell your friends, your neighbors, the ladies and gentlemen you work with and worship with and work out with about the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. You can also share it on social media. Please consider doing all those things. 
And then for those who are deeply moved by Matt, by his love, by his conviction for other people and their next best step forward in their life. Why not take the next step forward with us on the front side of 2021? Why not join us in studio as an individual or for those of you in HR, those of you as leaders of your business, let's partner together this year to ensure that your people are taken care of. Let's make sure that we are collectively taking the next best step forward. I want to teach you all about that. I want to show you more about that. So visit me right now at John. O'LearyInspires.com, JohnO'LearyInspires.com. There's a coaching tab there. There's also a link to in-studio there for the individual. So friends, I'm excited to see you online. I'm excited to do life with you this year. And I'm excited to know that in spite of the headwind, the foundation is firm and our best days are in front of us. So for this time and until next time, my name is John O'Leary. Today is your day. Live inspired. A word from our friends at Keeley Companies. What started in 1976 as a local paving company has grown into a national provider of construction, infrastructure, wireless, technology, development, and logistic solutions. Over four decades and 1,800 Keelians later, Keeley Companies' roots still guide them. In the words of their founder, Larry Keeley, quality and service never go out of style. 